Welcome to the Food and Movies Podcast, everyone. Season two, I guess. We've been on a bit of a hiatus, but we are back and better than ever. I see I'm in a new studio. Paul is the host. I'm the sidekick. I'm your trusty sidekick, Jeremy. And uh, this is the podcast where we uh, investigate the intersection between food and movies. You know, we tell jokes, we laugh, I drink sometimes. So that's kind of just how we do it. How you been, Paul? Doing good, Cher. What is the movie this week? The movie this week is, hopefully, Five Easy Things. A little uh, Jack Nicholson. You're wrong. You're so, it, we are not on our okay. game right now. We what are we, not on our... It's Five Easy Pieces. We, we messed five that up. Five Easy Pieces. Five, How did we mess that up? You know what? I, I was downstairs and my, oh my, my, God. my wife was watching like a million little things or something like that. There so I, I literally just mixed up the... Five easy pieces. Sorry, my bad. That's right. Um, we're going to get a lot of comments about that down below. Normally, I do the intro, and I couldn't get myself together, so Jer had to do the intro. And I mean, season two not off to the greatest start, but no. we can recover. We're, we're, we, you know, we are a fourth quarter podcasting team. Yeah. We are great in the fourth quarter. That's yeah. where we shine. So yeah, We, ra- there, we rally. We rally back. Absolutely. Good under pressure. Not good, out of the gate, cold, no warm-up. But it is five easy pieces. It is Jack Nicholson. It's Bob Rafelson. And this is a movie that I don't think the style of movie... We're just going to get into it. But the rules of the podcast are as follows. The structure is as follows. We talk about movies based on the food in the movies. So we we read way too much into the food uh, as how the food relates to the characters, the plot, and the time in the movie. And the structure is this. We're going to... Do our initial thoughts. That's that's what happens first. Then we go chronologically through the movie and investigate each instance of food as it appears. Read way too much into it and go on tangents. At the end, we have food awards, final thoughts, and then just overall general uh, grab ass and horseplay. But yeah, that's the podcast. Whoo, man, it's been a while. We we are yeah. really rusty, man. I, well, I, I think we just say that. Let's warm up a bit. What did you do with the time off while you were, you know, between season one and season two of the illustrious po- uh, this illustrious podcast? What have you been up to? Well, I mean, I, I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to offend you or, or or threaten you in any way, but I did start another podcast. <laughs> I know. I've been, I've been <laughs> watching. I've been bitterly watching, being like, oh, yeah, all right, he's cheating on me with a different podcast. Uh, what's, what's it called? Let's Listen, hype it up. Let's hype it up. We were bit. on a break. We were <laughs> on a break. God damn it. What's it called? So, give, give us the rundown. Let's hear it. So the deal is that, um, frankly, I don't know enough people of influence. So I thought I'm going to start a podcast called the Business Brains Podcast. Invite people on the podcast who are much higher in their careers than me. And then just fawn on them and ask them uh, questions, which basically are compliments disguised as questions, in order for them to fall in love with me. At least then you get that big network energy, you know what I mean? I could use some of that big network energy. Big network energy. Hot hot episode with Ron. Hold on tight. Ron Uh, tight. Yeah. Good good man. Good man. Disciple disciple of Tony Miller, who was one of our fathers, basically. We are Um, we are disciples of Tony Miller. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. But Jerry, you've had some. Uh, you've you've had a bit, a little bit of a shift in your life. Would you like to discuss it at all? I mean, long story short, I moved, so you notice the the uh, Jerry Gross Studio is a little bit different, a little darker, a little mm-hmm. more, uh, a little more gothic. 
lot, mm. br- lot brighter from this side of the screen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just uh, we'd moved condos. So I used to live downtown. Uh, I used to live downtown, downtown. 129th Street, uptown. Now, everything something. Cool Modi, by the way, 1985. Cool Modi. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, best. Yeah. Um, well, well, the movie Wild Wild West with oh yeah. no man, that, it was a that rap was, song by Cool Mo D. Oh like okay, <laughs> I was like, wait, that was wasn't that Cisco? Um, Will Smith took that hook and made his Wild Wild West right, track with right, Cisco. Right, right. Horrible okay. song, by Drew, the way. Will well, Smith was, should not be the rapper. It was with Drew Hill, I think, or was it with just Cisco? I think it was. I don't know anyone else in Drew Hill except there, Cisco. So. There, there was a period where I thought Drew Hill and Cisco were different people that both had the same style. There was a period really of time. real bad marketing calling the group Drew Hill, and then you got this guy with you know yellow hair this, who's dancing around, but his name is Cisco. Yeah, were they were they messing with us with that name? Like, what was that about? I don't know. I have no clue. But yeah. All right. Other than that, I went to. I, I will shout out one thing. I went to. Las Vegas uh, this week. I was in Vegas for a little gambling and uh, eating. Went to uh, Best Friends, which is a restaurant. Roy, I think it's it's Roy Choi or one of those fellas. Uh, Korean fella. Great restaurant. Amazing, amazing restaurant. It Do you is, remember what you had? Do you remember what you had? Oh, we had a whole smorgasbord of just goodness. We had some, there was a t- tomahawk steak. Some pork, some Korean Korean fried rice, um, a bunch of stuff, and it's uh, it's it's an exceptional restaurant. Usually, I find all the restaurants in Vegas to either be too expensive or just kind of like, yeah, this is fine. Uh, mm-hmm. This was an exceptional eating experience. If you're ever in Vegas, I believe it is in the where was it? It's, it's in the it's next to the Bellagio or in caesars or in one of those so go check it out great uh i think it's in caesars i'm not sure i forget uh, oh, uh no, no no promo that is just a regular yeah review yeah just a regular restaurant review i'm not promoting it um but you know if they if they want to uh give me free food and trips to vegas i will promote it till the day i die because it is that good um and since i don't know where it is I'm not really promoting <laughs> fair fair enough but it was a good time you yeah. went to vegas you relocated yourself to a new place uh, to live uh, a lot of a lot of things going on with jer uh a lot of, do you feel like your life is kind of entering a new new phase uh yeah yeah i'm a new man yeah yeah all right just a totally new guy mm. you won't you won't even know me like if this is going to be an entirely different experience for everyone involved Okay, you, you you do seem a little different, I must say. Your I'm, energy is a little bit more uh, mature, I would say. I guess. Okay, yeah, I don't have that yeah. big big network energy you do, but you know, few people do, bro. So five easy pieces: Jack Nicholson, Bob Rafelson, a lot of sons. Yeah. Um, your thoughts on five easy pieces? Yeah, I haven't watched a movie like this in a while, and and it's a movie that. I don't know much about um, the director, Bob, there, um, but because I'm not the movie guy, I'm the food guy. But um, it reminds me of um, there are movies that are like it, that they don't there's very little exposition in what's going on. It's all done through like 
dialogue and uh, it, it feels like an analogy for something a lot bigger, uh, which we can, you know, we'll get into. I don't want to show all my cards right off the bat, um, but it's just it's a very I don't know. It's a deeper movie than it, it, it seems to me, uh, but but also a very kind of the it's a very kind of single single character driven piece where you're following this one guy through a very kind of minimal experience like not nothing major happens to him except for you know what happens to his dad and then him kind of coming to terms with that in the end uh but just kind of a very interesting um strange film that you don't really know where it's going to go next and you don't really care to know you just follow it which is kind of what i felt your thoughts yeah similar to you these movies really aren't made anymore uh, I think this is in the 70s there was definitely a trend where it was the movie there was a lot of movies about that were character studies basically yeah. following one person like taxi driver um R- Rafelson's other movie the king of marvin gardens uh, serpico a lot of movies back then were following an individual who seemed to be going through an existential crisis or was lost in his life uh, unknown why um, but I suspect it has to do with the the post-Kennedy, post-Vietnam era where in the 70s there was a lot of apathy, a lot of lack of faith in institutions, and the entire country of America just felt kind of lost, you know? A lot of things had changed, not for the better. There was just the leaders in the institutions seemed to have ha- um, just failed, and these movies sort of reflect that, I feel like. There's a lot of just nihilism, it, it seems like, and just meandering and like, what are we even doing here? What is this? You yeah. Know? It's, yeah. It's interesting because you get his, he never kind of, he never gives you his opinion on life. But you feel it though. You feel it. But and yeah. everyone around him gives you theirs ad nauseum. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. everyone. Yes, uh, sir. Except for, except for his, his, his special lady friend there. Um, the waitress? Yeah, she's not. She's also kind of adrift through this as well. But she provides she provides a very interesting counterbalance to him, Mm -hmm. and 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 a lot of where he came from, which I'm sure we'll get into as we go through. But um, she's she's a fascinating character. I like. Yeah, Rayette, uh, his girlfriend. It feels like the suburban is the suburbanite American at that time. And you see a little bit of this in, in, in the 80s with The Breakfast Club, too. Yeah. Just a bunch of kind of middle-class people who are just in a malaise, you know? But Rafelson, I'm I'm not sure a movie like this could... I don't think... I'm, I'm pretty sure a movie, like, a movie like this couldn't be made at this time. Unless it was starring Keanu Reeves and he was shooting a bunch of people. I feel you know? like I feel like if they made this movie at this time, it would either... People would be like, that was stupid. Or it would go on to win a bunch of Oscars. Because it would be so refreshing right now. Mm. Because like, if you look at what won the Oscar this year, was that uh, the one with Michelle Yeoh? I haven't watched it, to be honest. Everything, uh, everywhere, yeah. all at once. The, yeah. it, it, I'm sure I've heard it was a brilliant movie, but it had a big gimmick, right? Like it's a multiverse of whatever type movie. So yeah. everything needs to be kind of big and flashy. And, 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 and the subtle story doesn't really exist anymore. Although we did see it when we watched um, the Triangle of Sadness, that was a, that had some undertones to it, but still a pretty big tale to tell. 
this is a very subtle story. Man travels home to family, right? Man comes to terms with self. Man, you know, figures out where his slot in society sits. Um, all the while eating some very nondescript food. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it might be, uh, it might reflect a lot of Rafelson's personal life because he grew up with money. His father was, I believe, a manufacturer of some kind. And he went to private school, all those things. And he, like a lot of rich kids, he went off and just, what he wanted adventure. Right. And so instead of following a normal path, going into finance or the family business, he went out looking for novelty. He went out slumming it. He, he, he wanted experiences. And it seems like Nicholson, this story with Nicholson is sort of biographical to Rafelson. Yeah, I mean, you can see the correlation. Yeah, and there was no internet back then, so you couldn't just Google things. You really had to go check things out on your own if yeah. you wanted to do something, you know? So uh, I get that a little bit. What did you think about Nicholson? I don't... So there's two phases of Nicholson for me. There's old man Nicholson, you know, like Nicholson now. The Nicholson mm. I grew up with. His old man mm. Nicholson, like post eighties Nicholson, and then there's kind of shining Nicholson. We call him. I call it shiny Nicholson because he was in the shining in the seventies Nicholson. Seventies Nicholson was so much more physical, like, and a little crazy. He seen his crazy he eyes. Always had yeah. that look in his eyes. Like, but he's such a physical actor that it's like. He had to have come from a theater background. You know what I mean? Like a Broadway mm -hmm. stage. Because everything he does, especially when he loses his mind, he does all these great physical things. Um, you know, slamming the car door, freaking out, jumping up, playing the piano on the truck. You know, when he goes into those lapses of judgment that he kind of does throughout this whole movie, they're very physically brought out. And he's very good at it. And he's got that Jim Carrey animated face with that scary smile, right? Yeah. Um, so he's a very physical actor. And then as old Nicholson, he's more nuanced now. Like he just, I think, because he can't move around as much probably. Uh, but he's still, I mean, like, I guess the transition from shiny to old was Batman when he played the Joker. And he was. Oh, interesting. That might have been it. Yeah. He was so physical in that, but also like really nuanced and terrifying in a lot of ways. Yeah. It, both of those guys, Michael Keaton and Nicholson, they both you you both believe they could be crazy. Yeah, you know that they, they were capable of going there. Perfectly cast film. Yeah, apparently him and Warren Beatty in the seventies were just banging anything that wasn't nailed down. They just cut a swath through Hollywood like no one's ever seen before. Um, Good for them. I mean, that, you know yeah. that was what the seventies were all about. Yeah, yeah. Like, who wouldn't? You know, why not? Um, do you think there's a modern day version of Jack Nicholson right now? And if, and who who would it be, do you think? I always thought it was going to be Christian Slater. He was. Yes, yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah, but he's gone now. We, no one knows who he is. No, he's, I've seen him pop up on like TV. And I'm like, ah, Christian Slater's still around. I'm waiting for him to just blow up again. Yeah, Christian Slater, Leonardo DiCaprio kind of, kind of has a bit of that too. Uh, a little bit. A little bit. You know, if we're talking about banging your way through Hollywood. Um, One thing I've noticed now is that we're entering a... Like, I, I was watching the um, trailer for the new Indiana Jones movie. Okay. And everything looks fake in the movie. 
literally everything looks like it's CGI or something. Yeah. Backgrounds, cars, even the faces and the actors look like they were CGI'd. And I think there's going to be a market for movies like this where you know everything's real. Right. It's a it real just story. It's differently. Yeah. 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 Practical effects as opposed to the big kind of aftermarket effects that they do. E- e- even just the backgrounds and, and the settings where they are and the traffic jams and things like that. Those are they're actually in those cars. You know what I mean? And, and now it would just be a green screen. We'll put some cars in later. It's too expensive. Whatever, whatever. Well, it's, so. al- it's almost hard to get a real performance out of people when, you know, like I liken it to if you've seen some of these new AI videos that are popping up all over where, you know, they've remade Kanye West singing something or, or, and it's like, that's even a step further removed down the line. Like this was a movie of people acting together with each other, not like I'm acting to a, you know, an extra and then they flip the camera, you act to the extra. We never even are on set together anymore. And the camera just keeps jumping back and forth. You notice people sitting next to one another, having a conversation actually acting with another person, reacting to them. You don't, it's getting weirder and weirder in these Hollywood movies because now I can watch and I can be like, they're not actually in the same room together talking, these two people. Like, this is all editing. Yeah. And it's weird. It's very, it's getting so weird. Anything more as far as uh, initial thoughts or should we just get into the, the food? Yeah, no, I think we should get in the food. There's not a ton of it. There's a lot of drinking in this movie. So I've, I've also kind of sprinkled that in. So we'll, we'll we'll follow your master list here. And then I can maybe work my uh, my drinking scenes in as well, just because. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Um, so we got Jack Nicholson playing Bobby Dupia, sounds like. He's an oil field worker. The first half of the film is him going about his life uh, as an oil field worker. He has a fairly simple girlfriend named Rayette, who is a waitress. Waitress. He has another friend. Uh, I believe his name is Elton, who he works on the oil field with. And the they're established as being these kind of like roughneck working class dudes. You get a sense that they might not have finished high school and they're sort of there's a bit of a trailer trash element, I feel like, to the first half of the movie to, to, to lull you into a false sense of what you're seeing. Yeah. And then it uh, it diverges when you realize that Bobby, Jack Nicholson, actually comes from money and is a piano player. So there's that two halves of the movie. The first half of the movie, when he's on the oil field, uh, interesting. Minute 13, he's hanging out with his buddy, Elton. And Elton... <laughs> I love specificity in movies. Yeah. You know, I really enjoy because people really are specific in the way they do things. You know, you, you watch people do different things. You're like, ah, that's not how I do it. Elton is eating a banana with a pocket knife. He's cutting slices of it and using the pocket knife to put the banana into his face. Yeah, I wrote, and, I wrote uh, a note saying, was he eating with a banana with a fork? Like, who does that? It's weird behavior. It was a pocket knife. Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah. yeah, which makes sense, I guess. And Jack was eating a kind of a working class brown baguette sandwich, um, yeah. which I couldn't tell you what it was. It didn't didn't look like any kind of sandwich. I've you know didn't show up as ham or anything. Well, let's 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 just do a little. What do you think it was? It's got to be. It's got to be some sort of because he is he grew up with money. Now. Yeah, but we don't know that at this but point. In time. He, but his that what, what do you think it was? Then do you think he's trying to? 
a working class sandwich, like a tuna uh, fish. Yeah, it, know, it looked or... it looked something basic, like a tuna fish or a maybe an egg salad. Um, or egg salad on or, the job site, though. Would you really? Yeah, that seems a little messy. Could have yeah. been could have been like a meat. It it didn't look like it had a lot of like girth to it. Like it right. looked, it white looked, bread, solid white bread. Yeah, it looked like a grower, not a shower kind of sandwich. So, mm. um, like white bread, American cheese, and like some sort of ham or deli meat. I was thinking ham, ham and cheese. Yeah, yeah, like a prepackaged ham, like a you remember Carl Budding's ham, like that kind of co- that low quality ham and cheese sandwich that you're just kind of getting in you to 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 fuel you. Mm. Um, Classic, maybe a little mayo on there or mustard, yellow mustard, maybe both. What do you go with on a ham sandwich? Do you go mustard and mayo or just mu- what's your deal with the ham sandwich? Ooh, I mean, I like the mayo mustard combo. Okay. They can't mix though. So you have to do mayo. One on top, one on the bottom. Mayo on the cheese and mustard on the underside of the meat. Because okay, I also don't good. want the mustard to interact with the cheese. I always feel like something's going to go wrong there. Yeah, something could go wrong. Yeah, but I also just like a like a Dijon mustard or grain mustard and no mayo. Just smacking the face with that hard. Just heavy mustard. Mustard. Yeah, and yeah. the mayo softens the mustard. I mean, if you're gonna mm. do a sandwich and you're putting everything on it, like go mayo and mustard. Don't just do mayo because then it's just too creamy, and don't just do mustard because then it's very tart. You get a little balance if you do both, right? Mm-hmm. What do you mm-hmm. do? What's your kind of go to? Um, I'm, I, I go, I go back and forth. I like a nice Dijon mustard, like a, like a fancy mustard, the one with all the bumps in it. Yeah. yeah. I'm into that. I like a nice hipster expensive ham. I oh, like, do a kicked up like, ham and like cheese. A, like an Iberico ham or, or something like that. Like something. No, I'll go to the hipster deli and just get, get them to slice me some ham, pick up some pecorino or maybe some Swiss cheese, uh, really, really good Swiss cheese. Hit it with the bumpy mustard, the expensive bumpy mustard. Here's the thing, though. I like the mayo, but sometimes I will go with cultured butter. Ah. Yeah, and I'll go both bread, but then the the mustard, I'll smear that on the ham. So you butter the bread. Now, do you toast the bread? If I'm at home, yes. Yeah. If I'm on the road, it's got to go cold. And what bread are you like? You going a sourdough here, or are you going like Wonder Bread? What's I'm your... going with the with the best white bread I can find. Okay, so like a... I'll even do the grocery store Wonder Bread. That's fine too. I'm, I'm in... I like a good Wonder Bread every now and again. I'm not yeah. I'm not opposed. Um, no, although I live above a Whole Foods now, and you can't get anything like that there. Um, uh, yeah, it's too bad. it's it's a whole scene down there. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think that's interesting. Now, what about salad on there? What kind of veg are you are you throwing in? Whew. If I'm at home, yeah. I'm going to cut up some cornichons, sprinkle that on there. And here's the thing. I will cut very, like a small amount of very thinly sliced onion. Okay. To give you just a hint of onion. And then like a, like a slap of lettuce, like a romaine lettuce. Like a romaine, like a thick or... Just or- one leaf, yeah. Like the Caesar salad lettuce, right? Huh. I go. Yeah. I've been I've been switching out lettuce for spinach these days. Oh, okay. it's 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 been pretty good. I've been into it. I don't. I'm not a big. You know that like garden salad where it's like or that spring mix salad where there's some bitter stuff and 
I, I don't like that on a sandwich. I feel like that makes it too. It's it's too too much of an adventure. It takes away from what I'm trying to do. So like right. yeah, I'm with you. An iceberg, a romaine, maybe some spinach, but none of that bitter stuff. None of that. Like it's just. So, it, so you're not putting like a glob of coleslaw on there. Oh, coleslaw. Coleslaw is a different story. Coleslaw. But this this would be vinegar coleslaw, not mayo coleslaw, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a like a yeah. tart coleslaw. Uh, coleslaw is great on a sandwich if it's like a deli sandwich. Sometimes you can sneak that into a deli sandwich, and it gives it a little uh, a little je ne sais quoi. Did you ever go to the Black Camel? We yeah, we went to Black Camel in Toronto, right? Remember I don't think we I did. worked at Anderson the brisket sandwiches. I don't think I did. Ah, uh, okay. I I did. They have a big brisket on a Kaiser. Mm-hmm. Like slow roasted brisket or slow cooked brisket, barbecue sauce, and if you just get the brisket, and like maybe they you you can add on extras like mushrooms, caramelized mushrooms, caramelized onions. But if you just get all that, it's it's very texturally like eating. I don't know, like it's something very soft and like baby poop. You know what I mean? Like mm. it's it's just all that texture. So you need to get the coleslaw in there. Because you okay. need a, you need a crunch, right? And a little acid in there, to and the acidity cut, to cut through the sweetness of the barbecue sauce and whatever the heck else is in there, mm-hmm. right? So I think that the I think that with a with a sandwich like a brisket or any slow roasted meats, getting, like a corned beef, yeah. possibly, yeah, getting a crunch in there really kind of elevates things. That's why the 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 Reuben with the with the uh, sauerkraut. Mm, and the Swiss nice. cheese. That's why that yeah. plays so well, right? Because you get that oh, crunch, yeah. you get the cream, you get the acid from the sauerkraut or whatever that is, that kind of that tartness, and then you get the big salty corned beef, right? And it it just it balances things out. Whereas your traditional corned beef sandwich is just rye, mustard, corned beef, and that's great too. But you're eating one thing and one thing only. There's no textural like excitement there. No, I, I'm totally I totally agree with you. I I think. The textures when you corn beef with the the vinegar uh, coleslaw on there. Oh yeah, on a rye. Oh yeah, phenomenal with the pickle on the side maybe or some French fry. French fries on it with a cold sandwich. I love. Yeah, I love hot French fries with a cold sandwich. It works. Give it that to me all day long. It works well. It works. It always mm-hmm. it always hits right. Like it's not, uh, or as the kids say, it always slaps. <laughs> I'm trying to, this season, I'm trying to get kind of, we're trying to appeal to a younger demographic too, right? Uh, so we gotta, we're grown men. We got we to speak, you know, it's, it's, it's very slappy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Nicholson makes fun of his friend and says, you got banana on your face. Nicholson, not very nice to his buddy here. And it's a very kind of like alpha beta relationship. Yeah. Which I think they're both happy with, even though it's like borderline abusive. Yeah, it's weird. His his friend is very much like, yeah, he just sits there and takes it. Yeah, and but but Jack kind of, but he, this is kind of an, an an inroad into his persona, right? Like he feels he has that built in superiority, and he oh, yeah. looks down on these people that he's supposed to be trying to live in and amongst. He definitely seems like a rich kid. He has that rich yeah. kid actions and the way he speaks and things like that. He does definitely feels like he's above all these people he's hanging out with. And it flashes through every now and again. And then, um, yeah, just to kind of play off of the his entitled rich kid persona, when they're mm-hmm. bowling, 
Right. And she sucks. And then she gets a strike on the last one. Is like, didn't I do well? Because she's never bowled before. And he's like, no, you you sucked the whole game. And then and he that's just, that kind of show, that's when I started realizing he's he's a fish out of water in this group of people because they're having a great time and he's like super competitive about it it's kind of his way like he's like i do it my way and then when you don't like that i get upset at you because it's my way everything has to yeah. be my by my by the way i do it and then after that he goes just another quick food mention at about fifteen thirty, or what is it minute minute 15 uh they're out with the ladies of the night that he met at the bowling alley, I think. Yeah, those two those two ladies. That that is some high quality uh by the way. If you're looking if you're single and you want to meet some girls at the bowling alley, yeah. you'll find some you'll find some nice ones there. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if they were actually toots, you know, but um Bowling alley prostitutes. I don't know really? if they were prostitutes or not. But they I had, didn't even know that was a thing. They had kind of fun names, so I thought maybe that was why they might be like they were. They she said their names, and it was like those are weird wow. names. Um, but okay. food in that scene, as the girls talking about the dimple in her chin, and how real go, sad story. How yeah. God, yeah, that was like, and then it just kind of falls flat, and they cut back to Buddy with like the girl like woo, uh, but they're snacking on something. There, there were some nuts on the table. They're just, you know. Got to be detailed. Got to cover all the yeah. bases. Yeah, uh, th- thank you so much. And, and I must say that the 70s were a, t- a weird food decade. Yeah. Because if you look at any of the magazines back then that were giving out recipes, it was extremely weird stuff. It was very kind of manufactured. Thing. Jello was big. Gelatin. Like putting things in Jello was big. Yeah. yeah. Fondue. Well, the fondue yeah. kind of was earlier on, but fondue I feel like was big throughout the 60s and 70s. Yeah, I think the 70s might be the worst food decade ever. Just fat. It was just, they got into like cheese whiz and it was oh. all manufactured stuff that came from a robot, you know? So, I yeah. Th- th- yeah, I think this was kind of during the like industrialization of food, right? Like yeah. things just started to become processed and and uh, it was all about like how cheaply can we make this for the masses? And and then, yeah, I guess cheese whiz was born. Um, cheese whiz, jello. Other stuff that comes in tubes, um, yeah. Yeah, a lot Tang of was out there. Aerosol cheese, you ever try that? I did. It was good. I liked it. I liked it yeah, a on lot. a Ritz cracker. It was oh, nice. Oh yeah. If you, uh, what's the cracker? Was it or the Ritz had a hole in the middle, or if you could put a hole in it and then you poke the aerosol tube through the hole and you aerosol it, it would stack neatly on top of the cracker, like in a yep. nice circular. It, Ritz was circular, so yeah, yeah, you can, oh, you can yeah. build it up, yeah. Triscuit crackers? That's a hell of a cracker. I never messed with Triscuits. I didn't like them. Really? Yeah. What is it? Te- yeah, I like a textural thing for you? I think it was. I think they're, they're, they're small, though, aren't they? They're like a little small. They're square, and they have the they're like flaky, salty, buttery, weedy. It's like a it's like um that cereal, the Weetabix or whatever it was, where you'd like. Oh. Yeah. No, I, I don't mess with those. No, yeah. I don't mess with those. You kind of had that no, vibe. I, I, I like the Ritz. I'll mess with, but I really like the square ones. Uh, what are those things called? Like the saltines, like the pre- yeah, premium plus. I'm all about those. Those yeah. are classic. You throw those in a soup all day, every day. I'll hit them with peanut butter and just take that, take down the whole sleeve. Yeah, you know, just like, bam. Yeah, that's a good snacking cracker. It's probably like the most baseline cracker you can get your hands on, but I think, I think that works. I think that's what makes it good. Yeah, it's a good. It's, it's not too much happening. 
Uh, no. Minute minute 17, I think. I'm not good at the minutes. You're better at the minutes than me. <laughs> but there he is. I, I just said I would talk a bit about drinking. He's drinking and driving, uh, which was also kind Which of, was fine back in the yeah, 70s. Yeah, also kind of good in the 70s, 60s and yeah. 70s. Like you could, you could, they, but they were driving to work. Like this was before he hopped on the piano. And well, was, was it beer or hard liquor? He was drinking whiskey. All right, that's a little bit too much. A beer, I, I, you're you're cool, but like hard liquor, I don't think you should do that. Yeah, a little whiskey before work, may I don't know about that. That's a bit much. No, should we address that at all? Do you have anything to to add about it? Don't. Or? I would I would say don't do it. <laughs> okay. Don't drink and drive. It's all. It's all a message for the kids. Yeah. Uh, minute twenty five. Another lunch on the oil field, where Jack, for no reason, seems to get mad at his friend and. Definitely tells him that, like, you are not on my level. Yeah. You thinking that you're one of me, like me, is not correct in a very rude way. And he storms off. Um, Hard to storm off when you're sitting in an oil field eating lunch. Because where are you going to go? Over to that freaking thing to sit on? Like, uh, the other oil guys over here? Yeah. 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 Really anticlimactic, I felt like. Yeah. I think he was upset because he was saying that. He thinks his girlfriend's pregnant, mm-hmm. or something like that. And she won't tell him, or he—he he she, she was pregnant, I believe. Yeah, right. And she, yeah, he knows that she's pregnant, won't tell him. And and Jack was kind of like, "I'm going to leave," and he was like, "Well, you know, what kind of man leaves that?" And and they were talking about the baby, and clearly, uh, Jack there doesn't want a baby. He didn't like the baby in the previous scene, uh, yeah. the baby that kicked him in the in the schwanz. So, um. Yeah, and then he throws the sandwich like, like nobody's business. That sandwich disrespectful. Flew. Yeah, and then and then yeah. his buddy gets uh, arrested. But that leads me to believe that the sandwich he was eating was not very good. No, not a, not. If it was a good sandwich, you wouldn't throw it away. No, no, you'd storm off keeping the sandwich. Mm-hmm. An emotional support sandwich. Yeah, so I think these little interludes of breaks when he's having lunch in the oil field are kind of interesting. Um, because it shows how emotionally stunted he really is. He seems like someone with a Peter Pan syndrome. Uh, one of these rich kids who just wants to play his whole life, doesn't want any responsibility. And I think that lunch scene kind of demonstrates that, if you will. Yeah, he doesn't want to really come to terms with it. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then it all goes downhill from there. He quit. Yeah. He quits his job, which shows he has no commitment to anything. No, because he doesn't need. Uh, he doesn't need the money. Um, well, let me ask you this. How do you think he, why do you think he took that job? Something to do. Yeah. Interesting. So, like it's, it's, it's the antithesis of what we know down the line of what his father probably wanted for him. Right. His father wanted him to be a musician. Right. Right. And, and I think on the opposite end of that spectrum is like a laborer, right? Like a musician is very creative, artsy, very lofty, uh, you know, all those things wrapped into one, whereas an oil worker, you're, you're doing the same thing day in, day out. Even you can see in the food in the first half of the movie, it's all kind of brown bag lunches, canned beer, you know, drinking and driving, um, like just kind of activity. Like he goes over to his friend for to his friend's trailer for a beer. They're having a beer at the bowling alley. Um, the food they're eating is, is very much like sandwiches and. And, and and brown bag lunches, so it's all very kind of working class, working stiff 
lifestyle, and that lifestyle appeals to Jack because the other lifestyle is this very lofty, musical kind of. They live on a almost like a people come and go, and they talk about all this intellectual crap, and they play music all the time, and and they have they teach each other, and there's a protege and a mat, you know, all that stuff that like hmm. he, he clearly he's sick of, and he wants to go and do this, but. You could take the rich kid out of the rich neighborhood, but you can't take the rich out of the rich kid, right? <clears throat> he does seem like he's just slumming it for fun. Yeah. Just being like, hey, let's see what this is like, you know, yes. whatever. Is there any food before minute 35? I wanted to get into the unrealistic love scene. Yeah. So 28, uh, he's having 20, minute 28, he's having a beer and driving. 31, he sees his sister at that recording studio. And she yeah, has great scene. she has a cup of tea at the piano. But I don't. Oh. I don't think the tea is very significant. I just think, well, I, okay. They offer her coffee, and she takes tea, which maybe there's a class thing there. I don't know. Is tea mm-hmm. considered to be more pretentious than coffee? I I don't know. Well, the queen drinks it. Did drink it. Drank it. So drank it. So I would say possibly a little bit. Maybe. Um, maybe. Yeah, coffee does seem a little bit more working class. You know, black coffee. You're a, you're a, to work. you're a tea fellow, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. I the, but the reason I didn't get into coffee is because uh, I was afraid I would get addicted to it. Okay. Because I have a history of. Well, I was a fat kid, so I was addicted to food. Fair enough. And so I was like, I don't need another thing to be addicted to. So I never got into it. Right. Yeah. Same with crack. Yeah, I never tried crack either. That's why you stayed uh, away. You don't want to get addicted. I hear you. Yeah. Well, it was never really available to me. So, but anyway, minute 35, he goes from the sister's scene where she's at the the recording studio playing the piano, lovely scene, to this very unrealistic love scene, which seems like a WWE match. He's carrying this lady around. There's a lot of flailing about. And I was just thinking, if I was a virgin at that time or a young person at that time seeing this movie, this would have thrown off. Like, I mean, imagine if this is what you think sex is like it was just so crazy <laughs> yeah I had, I had sex with that guy and he just kind of carried me around the house bumping me into stuff it's weird yeah, it was very weird <laughs> yeah I, mean, I don't know he, he said he'd just seen some jack nicholson movie so i don't know yeah no it wasn't it wasn't and then this was i th- i believe I, I could be wrong uh you know in the comments below please tell me if i'm wrong i believe that's chin dimple again I couldn't tell. She was just flailing around too much. So, yeah, I'm yeah. sure she prob- probably was. Yeah. I, I believe it was chin dimple, so the the, the toot, and mm. they were uh, they were just at it again. But he's not very loyal to his his girlfriend there. No, his lady no. friend. Clearly, he has he has commitment issues. We've seen he quits his job. He can't stay loyal to this girl. He doesn't want to even hang around her that much. Um, and so yeah, it was a weird love scene. I don't think I've ever. I don't think my back could handle that. I mean, I, maybe a smaller person I could do that with. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Still, may, uh, I got like five more years of doing that. I think, and then I'm. She looked like she looked like a sturdier lass too. So, she did. So Jack yeah. Jack's been doing his calisthenics, that's for sure. But I don't know how you would generate much pleasure out of just swinging somebody around the room. Like it doesn't. It just it feels like you know I would throw my back out pretty quick. Yeah. Would you think it was meant to be comedy? Because I did kind of laugh at it when I saw it. I was like, what is this? 
Yeah, I don't know what it was trying to accomplish. Other than it was a smash cut from his sister. Boom! This crazy, wild, you know, standing love scene. I mean, I I took it as when I was watching it, I took it as he had just found out his father was really sick. Mm -hmm. His dad was having a stroke, and this was like the very blunt way of showing that he was taking out his aggression. Like he takes, he does take out his his angst and aggression on these lower the lower class. Throughout mm -hmm. the whole movie, he verbally abuses everyone. He's kind of a dick to them. And this was him just physically manifesting that. That's what it felt like to me, if I was going to analyze it. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So this is sort of like the way he deals with this almost traumatic information of his father not dying, but his being in ill health, I guess. Just to kind of like maybe distract him or maybe take out his negative energy in this way. Yeah, it's just a release for him. Like, I'm just going to physically abuse this lady in the form of sexual gratification. So after that, he decides to go see his father, who has had two strokes, um, grabs his waitress girlfriend, jumps in the car, and they pick up two seemingly lesbian hippie people, uh, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Counterculture uh, warriors. Um, really strange. Really strange people. The one girl, like the lesser of the two, she seems to just not care. Like, and just ag yeah. agree with the, the other one there. And the other one just thinks everything is filthy. Oh, she is upset yeah, about a lot of things. Yeah, she just hates, seems to hate consumerism, capitalism. Yep. She just represents, like, the counter to Rich Jack is her, mm -hmm. in a way. But I felt like she's also kind of like a fake version of the girlfriend. So Jack's girlfriend is the real deal, low working class girl, not very bright, but really sweet, really good heart, you know, just trying to accommodate people. Whereas this girl was just kind of an asshole. Yeah. Like, yeah. And just kind of represented everything that, like represented a very commercial version of what she hate or what what she's trying to be, mm -hmm. which I think in the seventies existed. Like people being like, you know, it's probably a leftover from the sixties, but people that are like, and you get it now too. With um, it's not the woke people. That's not who I'm talking. No, about. this it's is more, more like the George Carlin kind of like uh, counterculture because there was a lot of counterculture in the seventies. Yeah, but she uh, wasn't a real true version of that. Mm -hmm. You she, think she was rich too? Yeah, she came off as very fake to me. Okay. Yeah. She came off as like, that's where I go to woke because it's not the woke. I don't have any issue with them. They can do whatever they want. Um, it's the, the virtue signaling types. Who just can't shut up about it. They yeah. Tell you. They're, not, yeah. they're not doing it because they'll tell you like, oh, yeah, like I believe in all this. And then they'll go and eat a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Yeah, I got a feeling her father was like an oil executive or something. Yeah, and she was just like rebelling. Like she was yeah. maybe she was rebelling from something else. Like she was a she was a version of Jack mm -hmm. in a way. But he's so when he was faced with her, he was so disgusted by her. Or was he though? Because he took her in and his girlfriend didn't want him to do it. So maybe he was kind of had a subconscious connection to her. Maybe. You know? Yeah, maybe. And then you see that when, when which I don't want to spoil the scene yet, but uh, 
Because mm-hmm. we just get into it. Just yeah. Well, the, before that, when when they're driving and they, she goes, "Follow that trucker." Truckers know where the best food is. Do you yeah. think that's true? Do I think it's true? I've never heard that before. I would, ass- oh, um, I would assume it's true, except in Canada, they probably just eat at Wendy's. Well, the funny thing in Canada is most of the truckers are actually uh, Sikh immigrants, Indian Indian immigrants. Yeah, there's a lot of them. And they tend to eat their own food. They don't really like, you know, other food. Yeah, they don't. Um, they're not hitting Wendy's. Funny you mentioned Wendy's because I just got a bunch of coupons for Wendy's. And I am crushing some Wendy's right now. I got the whole meal going. Oh my god, it is delicious. Wendy's, give us a goddamn sponsorship yeah. for God's sake. If Wendy's, cow, if Wendy's sponsored this podcast, I would eat a Dave's double every time on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. One big thing that I got a beef with Wendy's, beef with Wendy's, um, they never put ketchup in the bag. When you go through the drive-through, you have to ask. That's that for separate. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't get garbage. That. McDonald's, Straight garbage. McDonald's has started to do that too. When I order it on uh, Uber Eats, you have to get the ketchup separate, and it costs like it's not free. In the drive-through, though. In the drive-through, I think they just slam it in there. They don't care. But in the drive-through, they put it in. In Wendy's, they don't. Yeah, I don't know. That's garbage, man. Yeah, doesn't make sense to me. I've... They've done the calculation. They know. Okay. 30% of people don't know that we're not giving them the ketchup so we can save on ketchup. Yeah. You know, that's it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and also when they hand you the bag and the drink, very quick to close the thing. Like they know they don't want you asking for ketchup. Yeah. They're so. not, they're not giving it up willy nilly. Whereas it like no. you go to Taco Bell and they are just handing out hot sauce. Like it's going out of style. Chick-fil-A too. Here, you want one hot sauce? Here's five. How about that? Yeah, here's, you know? here is a barrel of hot sauce. Just get out of the store. Yeah. Step it up, Wendy's. Yeah. Like, don't yeah, be so good. cheap. But also, spons- you're, you're basically telling me you're cheap, Wendy. Sorry, go ahead. Sp- sponsor us, but step it up. Also, sponsor us. Yeah. 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 Listen, I like the food so much, I'm willing to deal with the disrespect of not getting ketchup. <laughs> so, you're willing to take that hit. I hear you. I agree. Yeah. That square patty, man. Flavor's got nowhere to hide. Those corners are delicious. Oh, yeah. You got to get the corner. <sighs> you start at a corner always. You start at a corner. Then it means you're. Right. It means you're going to end on a corner. Man, I try to. I try to do it so I have just like bun corner. I want that last bite to be as good as the first. I you know flip the burger halfway through because I think the way I bite, I, mm-hmm. I go from an under, so the burger gets diagonal on me. So I, I hear flip you. it. Yeah. So that then I'm just eating even all the way through. I'm getting that even bite the whole way through. It's very important. What about f- fries wise? Do you eat them with the burger or do you eat them completely separately? Completely separate. I'm not I'm not a big fries guy. I'll eat oh. I'll eat about if I, unless I'm hungry, then I'll eat all mm-hmm. of them, but like after about half the thing of fries, I'm like I'm kind of bored. I'm over fries. So I have to okay. I have to have a bite of burger, a couple of fries, bite of burger, a couple of fries. Um but if there's a lot of fries at the end, I'm just kind of like, eh, all right. Like uh, I've had enough of you guys. Usually, okay. So I, sorry, no, 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 please. Well, I like to chase bites with fries. Like yeah, bite a burger, boom, chase a couple fries. Yeah, I do that too. But but I know people who are completely separate. Like I'm gonna eat this burger, then I'm gonna eat the fries. I know a guy who, <laughs> who let's say he's getting a steak dinner, and uh, it's got all the fixings, right? So he gets the steak, the mashed potatoes. The the greens like broccoli, whatever, even a salad maybe, 
He starts, he his order is the sides. Like he starts at the lesser food. Like he'll go salad or, well, usually you start with the salad. So yeah, you go salad, then he'll eat the broccoli, then he'll eat the potatoes, then he'll finish on the steak. Uh, Who does that? I would slap that steak right out of his hand if I this guy tried to pull this off of me. But I, I oh, he would he would hate that because he oh he God. he once broke up with a girl for eating off his plate. He's a very like he's one of those like very food sensitive fellas. Like he, he sounds like the Rain Man. Like an yeah, he's got. I don't know about that. I wouldn't go that far. But um, okay. he's got like a thing. Like he loves. To, and I always ask him, like, well, what if you're full? By the time you get to the steak, he's like, no, I'm never full. I get to the steak. I, you know what? I do kind of respect it. The man's a system. He sticks with it. I know. Hey, hey. Uh, more power to him. Shout out, John, South Africa. Good, good. Hope you're doing all right. South African John, come on the show. Yeah, come on the pod. Oh, okay. Uh, shall we get into the whole reason we're doing this movie? Yeah, I think uh, I think we've teased the nipple long enough. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the entire reason we're doing this movie is because it has arguably the most famous food scene in cinema history, which is they're sitting at a diner and Jack Nicholson just wants a side of toast. So maybe we'll put in the dialogue here. I'm not sure, but I'm, he goes through his entire... Yeah, I want to see if you can... I tried to write it down, but I don't think I'm going to get the order right. I want to see if you can... Let's see how you do on the order. We'll see how it goes. Okay, he wanted a plain omelet, uh, something to do with tomatoes. He wanted a substitution. Yeah, potatoes and wanted, for tomatoes. For, and he wanted wheat toast on the side. And the late he was so the lady said it was a very structured restaurant where you could only order certain numbers, and there was no substitutions. And him being a rich kid, unacceptable. Yeah, he wanted some wheat toast, so he ordered an entire chicken sandwich, and said, "Hold the mayo, hold this, hold that." That's the chicken sandwich. Toast the one of the toasted wheat toast, or one of the, you know, toast wheat, wheat bread, bread toasted. And then he finally says, "Hold the chicken." To which uh, the waitress, I believe, throws him out of the yeah. restaurant. At that, you hold point. it between your legs for all I care. Yeah, and so this whole exchange, I, I've never seen. I, I've not watched Five Easy Pieces, but I've seen this clip probably a dozen times in my life. Yeah, it's a and, classic. Uh, it it is a classic. Classic movie clip. Um, so your thoughts, Cher, on the on the one of the greatest, if not the greatest, food scene in movie history? Yeah, I had seen this movie, but I thought that this was from like a more. I, I don't know why, but I like lapsed, and I thought it was from about Schmidt or something. But there's that might be another sandwich at a diner scene. Um, Giamatti? No, I wasn't about Schmidt. Oh no, that was a different movie. Sorry. Yeah, um, I thought about Schmidt was with Jack. There was a movie where he was he had some sort of issue it was him and uh, that blonde lady and he always goes to the same diner every day i forget oh that was that was uh uh that was not about schmidt as good as it gets as good as it gets gets. yeah helen hunt yeah helen hunt and he there's some sort of sandwich thing in that movie too and i always kind of thought it was from that movie although i I had seen this movie years ago well he he has ocd in that movie yeah so it's kind of understandable yeah yeah but yeah no this was uh so yeah he has the I liked what he did, and I've always wanted to have the sand to do that. Like, if you can't get something at a restaurant, just get something else and then make it 
that way. Like, I thought that was pretty clever. I had a friend in university that was obsessed with this scene because he thought it was the funniest thing. Um, but yeah, great scene, great idea. Um, and I also liked how the one who I said was like counter to him, the, the, the pretentious the, one, the angry lesbian yeah, hippie chick. Yeah. She was like, I really liked how you did that. So maybe she I, lo- Oh, she was into it. Yeah. She, maybe yeah. I'm warming up to and, your idea that they're the same person. Anything anti-authority she was into. So, which makes me think she hates her father. So, but yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. Um, but what about restaurants without substitutions? Have you ever encountered that? I've not encountered. Maybe it was a 70s thing, you know, because there was no Yelp reviews. There was no Google reviews. You could kind of get away with that, I think, in 70s. Do whatever you you want. Yeah. Especially on the road in a highway diner. You're going to be gone. No one's going to know. Yeah. But there's a limit, right? Like we all have that one friend. I'm sure. I'm sure we can figure out somebody that does it. But there's always that one friend that like cannot just order what's on the menu. They have to have some sort of difference. Like they have mm-hmm. to, I feel like I was talking to you about somebody we know, maybe it wasn't you, but there was somebody we know that like would always, we noticed that we'd go to a restaurant and they would always be like, yeah, I'll get the chicken salad, but, uh, or maybe it's from a TV show actually, but I don't know. I'll get the chicken salad, but can you put like, uh, uh, you know, grain mustard on that instead of mayonnaise? Like it was always like a strange substitution. It was never like, Something you would normally substitute. I don't know if you okay. know anyone like that. No, I don't recall this conversation. Yeah, maybe it wasn't us. But yeah, well, we're living in the age of everyone being lactose intolerant or um, gluten intolerant or vegan. Or, like, there's a lot of self-indulgent personalization now. So it must be hard owning a restaurant. I can only imagine. This actually, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Also came out around this time where it's right. kind of anti-authoritarian. So I think that was sort of a sentiment in the 70s where people were kind of, this came out in 1970. Yeah. I don't think Nixon was impeached at this time, but I think there was a growing sentiment that kind of, this was an expression of, we don't like your authority. We don't like your rules. I just want this toast. It's a reasonable request. So I think this was a very symbolic of America at that time. Right. I could agree with that. I think that made a lot of, mm. makes a lot of sense. And I think, it, and I think, that's probably why his friend there uh, seemed to really enjoy it, because she's pure counterculture. Do you think they banged? Well, clearly, I don't think she was uh, into that, though, was she? She seemed pretty smitten with him after he dropped the hammer on the waitress like that. Yeah, but he, yeah, I don't know. He, well, he, I wouldn't put it past him. He seemed to like to bang everyone. Yeah, the the two lesbian, the relationships seemed to mirror the Jack Nicholson hetero relationship. There was like a very alpha person, a very beta person. And the alpha person seemed to be kind of a douche and angry. So, yeah, it's true. Like, yeah, they met they met themselves on the road to he met them on like he met himself. He faced himself on the road to his uh, return to, you know, pops, pops. Okay, that was the most famous scene, food scene in uh, movie history. Um, yeah. The hold the chicken toast scene in five easy pieces. Or five easy things, as we know. Five easy things. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they get, to, they get on the road and they finally end up at his family estate where his brother, his sister, and a couple other hangers-on are, are hanging out. Yeah. 
And we go to the family dinner, and it looks like they're eating cake, possibly birthday cake. I couldn't tell. Yeah, they're eating dessert. Jack eats an orange slice. I saw that. Mm -hmm. And then there's always what's interesting. They're drinking red wine with dessert, which I guess is just layover. Which, but this is this is interesting to me because in the first half, like I said, they're only drinking beer and whiskey. In Working the, class. In the second half, he's still cranking beers because he still thinks he's, you know, beneath them or whatever. Or not beneath yeah. them, but he thinks he thinks he's above them by being beneath. You know that whole thing. He's he's keeping it real. Yeah, yeah he's I mean, trying to keep he, it real. Um, yeah. And they're all sipping their wine, and there's always apples on the table. You notice that? Oh, like in every I didn't in, notice that. in every dinner scene or dessert scene, and there's another mm. dessert scene later on where there's apples on the table. And I ooh, let's read into it. Garden of Eden. He's being tempted by what? I don't know. Tempted but, by the life of you know, tempted back into the garden. And tempted back into the garden. Tempted by the fruit of another. Tempted. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, because he is. Technically, yeah. he, he he does love that, or he does seem to like that girl, and and says something interesting because she says, or he says, well, why do you do it? Or or when he plays the piano for her, he says, oh, I played this one when I was eight, and I had way more emotion. It was way better, but now I have no emotion towards it. Um, and she's like, what are you talking about? It was fine. So I don't know. Maybe he's tempted by this lifestyle, but he doesn't get any emotional gratification from it I, i'm not sure maybe it just feels like it's empty consumerism and money and, and all these things are empty and he's looking for something more perhaps something more real maybe he thinks maybe being working class is some way to finally connect with someone or feel some kind of satisfaction with life um but he hates that. I've, he I've, I've heard i've heard um children of the wealthy really do have a problem that way where they just feel like they can't they can't get excited for anything because everything, like they have no challenge. Well, they've, they've seen it all, right? They know that they're going to be fine. You know, yeah. like even if they do accomplish something, everyone's going to be like, well, he's a rich kid. Yeah, you he know, got of course, Yeah. Whatever. Is, he should have accomplished that. He's had, every, yeah. he's had every advantage, so he should have accomplished that. And they'll probably just be like, oh, his father probably gave it to him or like pulled some strings or whatever. So, yeah. you know, a lot of apathy. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I seem to that makes seems to make sense to me. Yeah, when was the last time you had birthday cake? Like a, a classic birthday cake, like with the candles, the whole thing. Because we've been not in offices for a while, and most of the, my cake consumption comes from office yeah. events. Yeah, I've had cup. They've, they've recently cupcakes have become the thing now. Like, yeah, it's it, not the same though. It, yeah, it, it isn't. It doesn't have the layers. When did I have it? I, I was at a birthday. Was that like my dad's birthday or something in January? Okay. And I had it. What kind of cake? It was probably a bit fancier. Like it was probably like a, like a, some sort of play on a tiramisu cake or, you know what I mean? Like something, because yeah. like when you, when you get to this age, people are buying, it's not just like your, your straight up sprinkles vanilla cake. Slab cake. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is my favorite. Like I, oh, I love it. I like that. Like. When you go to a, a Sobeys or whatever, and they just have that pre-cake that it doesn't even have the writing on it. I've always yeah. wanted to just buy a no-writing cake and just sit down and see if how much just, how much of it I can get in me before I go pre-diabetic. I've had the same fantasy. I yeah. really have. Yeah. And I, 
I got to say, drinking it with cold milk oh, yeah. is my favorite. Yeah. Just big old glass of milk. I haven't had a good glass of milk. My, my, my wife doesn't drink milk, so by proxy now, I don't drink milk. Um, so we're all on the like that oat milk kick, um, oh. which is fine. Like it's yeah, it tastes fine to me. It's not milk. It doesn't no. taste like it's creamier. It's different. It's it it's fine. It it as a substitute, it makes sense. Um, I'm not draining California's water supply by drinking it. Unlike that mm-hmm. dirty almond milk. Um, You're a hero. You're a hero. Yeah, don't, one, don't sell yourself short. One You're cup at a time. I am mm-hmm. saving California. Uh, but yes, you are. but I do like a good like, and I'm not like don't sugarcoat the milk. I want a two percent, a cold two percent. Like I like it a thicker milk. I don't want one percent. Although if it's there, I'll take it. And skim milk, Sk- you're a skim skim milk. milk. I will fucking throw across the. Sorry yeah. about my language. I will throw that stuff across the room, man. <laughs> Can you imagine eating cereal with skim milk? Like what kind of crazy person does that? Oh. Yeah, I don't know. That's it's, it's one step away from it. it's just white water to me, Ugh, which gross. I just I can't I can't even. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, not not a fan. But two two okay. percent. I'm not going full homogenized. That's I'm not sociopathic. Uh, but a nice two percent. Two percent is like the perfect milk, and it has to be cold, like crisp, ice cold. cold. And then yeah. and then a cookie, a chocolate chip cookie with that. Or a, or a whole cake, whatever whatever floats your boat. Yeah, good. Uh, there's certain things that you need milk with. I feel like cookies, peanut bu- peanut butter sandwich, peanut butter. Oh man, I will mess up a peanut butter sandwich with, if I don't have some milk, man. Yeah, oh. you got it. It cleanses the palate. Do you dunk cookies in your milk? Yeah, you know, hard ones only, not soft. Yes, ones, right? not not a fresh cookie. <laughs> that's no, that's ludicrous. But uh, yeah. like you know, the hard sh- uh, chips always. I used to do a whole sleeve of those too. Yeah. just dunk it in milk. You dunk yeah. it. You let it sit for a second and get just soggy enough so that you can still pull it out. Yep, <laughs> that's what she said. Very, very <laughs> dangerous game, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Oh yeah, because then it, you know, like if you're doing the sleeve, you're going to end up with a bunch of like cookie goo in the bottom of your uh, your milk, which is also yeah. You know, it's, but the hold though, the hold you want it fully saturated, but you don't want it to fall off. Yeah, break off. yeah. There's a there's a fine line. It's, that was a that's how I learned how to like time things, like how to cook on, mm. like you cook a perfect egg was by dunking those in and learning just how to time things out by feel. Those, yeah. It was those chocolate chip, those chips of white chocolate chip, and not the those ones where they were like this was a '70s cookie for sure, an '80s cookie. Remember the ones where they'd simulated the freshly baked texture? Those were so weird. Those were savage. They were so weird. I could eat a whole... How did they do that? I could eat a go <laughs> just like... Just, you don't want to know. Just chemicals? Yeah. Like, what did they put in that, man? Uh, oh, man. Just strychnine or something. Like, just savage. Oh, I guarantee you that shrinks penises, whatever they were putting in there. Um, but the But the crispy ones, though... Tremendous. Yeah, your Absolutely your tremendous. standard chips of like that and milk can't beat that. Yeah. Okay, one hour two minutes in breakfast time at the dinner table with the fam again. A lot of family dinner stuff. A lot of business being taken care of around fa- uh, dinner and uh, the dinner table. Is breakfast? Jack has a beer. Yeah, I was. I was. That was breakfast, huh? I thought they were doing yeah. dessert again, but that was yeah beer. Coffee. There were ginger ginger cakes or gingerbread 
Yeah. Gingerbread. And I think she said, do you want some applesauce? Something like that. A lot of weird yeah. combinations going on. There. I mean, yeah. gingerbread and applesauce sounds like a great combination. It really does. So yeah. why why the hell not? But sure. just a very, uh, very kind of interesting uh, breakfast choice. Gingerbread. But like not like the not like the cookie. It was like the it was like full on a bread. And then the dad burped. Oh, significant. That was the most communication he had in the movie. Yeah, it was a, was, a, was a burp. He made a thing, and then the the, uh, the caretaker started burping him. That must be tough to see your dad like that. But um, but also applesauce continuing the theme because if we skip to hour minute six one hour minute sixteen or well, you, you're better at the minute. A- apples on the table again. So we have applesauce. Apple. They love their apples here. They love their apples. Like fresh apples. Is that like a rich guy thing, I guess? Um, apples, Garden of Eden, apples, uh, apple pie, American, as American as apple pie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what else, though. What does apples symbolize besides that? Uh, intelligence? Yeah, that what... in the Jewish faith, they symbolize like completion, a whole. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you think these guys are, they didn't seem Jewish. They didn't look me. Jewish to me. No. Jew, hmm. Jews don't tend to live on the border of Canada and the U.S. No, no, they probably don't. I don't know if, um, I don't know if that's true. No, they congregate in cities, big cities, uh, Jewish people. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah. Anyway, the last instance of food that I can tell was late night drinks at uh, one hour, 23 minutes in. Oh. And uh, they are also drinking tea late at night, which I am scared to do. I got, I got a couple that came up before then. Oh, let's go. Let's go. So let's minute minute 16, they're having dinner again. Their apples on the table again. This is what I, where I was going with that. But they're having, uh, the, the, the girlfriend has shown up at the compound or whatever that is. And they're having mm-hmm. roast beef. We saw the... the it was on the table. I paused it to see what was on the table. I watched in detail. Um, Tremendous. Yeah. They were having a nice roast beef. And the um, Jack is now, before she came, he seems to, because of that girl, he seems to have bought back into the rich guy lifestyle. He seems to be kind of into it. And mm-hmm. then um, she shows up and he's all put off by that. And then she asks for ketchup with her roast beef and he flies off the handle leaves the table and then goes and gets in a fight with the caretaker and Mm. and, um so ketchup on steak and roast beef is considered to be kind of a lowbrow thing like donnie trump does it it's considered to be kind of a working class thing have you ever tried it on roast beef or on steak no and no. I have not had many steaks. Hey, I you're not, not a had steak much ro- Yeah, I have not had much roast beef either, but I'll tell you what I do put it on is grilled salmon. I think that's probably as bad. I've literally yeah. never heard that before. What is that? Where does that come from? I don't know. I tried it and I really liked it. There's just like a lot of the salmon's super fatty. Yeah. You know, and it's got like some nice saltiness to it, but Fish. the ketchup adds that kind of sweetness huh. that I that does interesting to me. So you, to me, it, it's it's awesome. I really really enjoy so it. So you I don't put ketchup on many things. Cook the salmon, you grill it yeah. or whatever on the frying pan. Frying pan. Yeah, all right, yeah, you season it, salt yep. and pepper, whatever you want. Salt pepper, yep. yep. Um, and then 
you serve it and then you dip it in the ketchup or do you squeeze the ketchup on it? No, I dip it in. It sounds gross. I can. I can no, no, I'm very into this. I'm, I, I got, yeah. I'm definitely going to try this. Yeah, I, I, I will periodically dip a piece of uh, salmon in there. And I believe I have potatoes on the side, which with some, some kind of greens. Yeah. yeah, the potatoes is a great. That's so that's your gate. That's probably how you figured it out, right? You're having ketchup with your potatoes. Yes. And then exactly. some salmon fell and you're like, oh, like I have, Eureka. I do mustard with French fries. Oh, I like mustard with French fries, like Billy Bob Thornton and uh, Sling Blade. <laughs> yeah, I'll be fr- uh, oh, <laughs> mm, taters. Yeah, them taters. The French fried taters. French fried taters with mm, mustard. <laughs> you shouldn't have done that. He just boy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so ketchup on. I'm going to try that. I'm going to report back to you and try that because I f- okay. I feel like it's good. Th- well, what else do you do? You put any like? Are you supposed to put a particular kind of sauce on a salmon? Uh, so what I do with salmon, first of all, if if you haven't done it yet, try it. It's it's it makes salmon great. I dry brine my salmon before I cook it, and that's from you're supposed to do it before you smoke salmon, like not smoked salmon, but like cooked smoked salmon, like hot smoked salmon, um, mm-hmm. just so it keep retains its moisture. But you take. Uh, brown sugar, 50-50 brown sugar and salt. So I take a quarter cup of salt, quarter cup of brown sugar, and I mix that all together in a bag. And then I put the salmon in the Ziploc bag with it, and I coat the salmon in that mixture. And I leave it in the fridge for two hours before I'm going to cook the salmon, two, three hours. Uh, it's not a, there's not a fine science to that, two, three hours. I, I, I do it at three. I cook it at five, six. So, And when you pull it out, you rinse it off. Uh, you rinse off any excess, and then you'll notice that the outside of the salmon's become cured. Like it looks yeah. almost like smoked salmon. This is how you cure salmon, but you do it usually for a couple of days. Yeah, and you, you do, do it with you do it with pickling salt C- yeah. or curing salt because that has a special. No, you can do it with any salt, really. Can... It's safer to do with curing salt, but okay. just so we're giving people safe food advice. But yeah, you can do it with any salt if you're making gravlax. Um, I just do it for a couple hours. So the inside is not cured at all, but the surface is cured. And then you leave it, sit it out in the fridge for while you're prepping your other stuff. And then you don't need to put too much salt on it. What I'll do is I'll just put garlic powder on it. And then mm. I'll I'll sear the top, flip it back over. It's an oven-safe frying pan. And then I will put maple syrup on the salmon. Oh, okay. And I'll just so we get a nice glaze. gently brush it with maple syrup, throw that in the oven, let it cook through. Um, maybe halfway through the cook, I'll do a hit it with another thing of maple syrup, and then pull it out. And it's that crust that's formed from the cure is super salty. Like it's got a bit of a mm-hmm. saltiness to it, but it's sweet too because it has the brown sugar. So it's not all salt. And then this maple salmon, maple syrup, maple salmon, uh, maple syrup kind of cancels all that out with, and you get just garlic and a bit of salty, and it's juicy on the inside. Interesting. It's similar to what the ketchup is because it is salty and sweet. Yeah, it gives similar, it that But play. yours is way more high class and bougie than mine. So. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, maple, maple syrup is expensive. But yeah, that's how I always do my salmon. Otherwise, I'll do it with, I'll still cure it, but I'll put lemon and garlic on it. Yeah, there's so much fat in the salmon that you really need like a little bit of you lemon. Need to cut, cut through that. Through the lemon's great. I love lemon. Yeah. Oh, I love a nice, nice pan-seared salmon with potatoes, man. Oh, Always. Yeah, into it. Into it big time. I hope it's good for me because I ate a lot of it uh, when I was in Toronto. 
not so much out here. I should do it out here because it's more it's probably better. It's the probably ocean. better out there. Yeah, Atlantic salmon. Okay, so where were you then? You were at minute for your food. This was yours. You you mentioned that. Oh, okay. Yeah, the breakfast check has here, and then minute twenty three, uh, late night drinks. Um, yeah, yeah. Just before that, minute eighteen or hour eighteen, he had whiskey at a bar. I don't think there was much to it. He was fl- he much. was upset. He just went and had whiskey. Um, and then so yeah, minute or hour hour minute twenty three. <laughs> you <laughs> hour twenty three minutes. Um, he's having beer. <laughs> And everyone else is having what appears to be either sherry wine or sherry or brandy or cognac or something like something. It's, it seems like an evening situation. Yeah, the small glasses. So it's either yeah. it's, it's either sherry or brandy to me. Although brandy right. is in that big snifter. So it looked like sherry. To me. Yeah. Which is a sweet uh, fortified wine. Uh, quite nice as a, like an after dinner. It's like an ice wine almost, but it's it's darker. It's got a little bit more alcohol content. I use it in cooking. It's, it, it works for a good uh, reduction sauce. Yeah, it flames up in the pan, too. That's, that's, nice that's, that's, con- that's cognac. I don't think sherry has enough alcohol. Oh, I, I stand corrected. Yeah. I, th- I think everyone over 30 in the 70s was doing the brandy snifter. Yeah. I don't think anyone's doing a brandy snifter anymore. Kind of, you, have you seen someone do a brandy snifter? I, I've not seen one in a long time. No, it kind of comes off as pretentious, doesn't it? I don't like brandy. Have you ever had brandy? I don't think so. Brandy and don't think brandy so. and cognac to me are really hard to drink. Mm-hmm. Like they're just like it's just a flavor I'm not. They're they're all kind of different versions of wine, right? But like yeah, or maybe not brandy. I'm not sure. Cognac is a fortified is a fortified wine, um, and then sherry's a different kind of is a sweet fortified wine, and then uh, there's some other ones too, like these digestive drinks you have after dinner. There's fernet. Fernet Branca, which is an Italian thing, um, which is quite nice if you like the taste of earwax. Um, Ooh, yeah, oh it, it's it's. I've been into it recently. It's like very like, but like you, it's it's a struggle to drink it. Oh, but it's very good. But you enjoy the struggle. It, it helps. You, you like it, it helps with the digestion. If I've eaten a big, creamy meal, I like to finish that out with a nice fernet. Um, which do it. Everyone who tries it's like, what? What are you? Why are you drinking this? This is terrible. Um, but yeah, Fernet with some ice in it is nice. Um, but yeah, these classy, bougie after-dinner drinks, I, I never really got into them. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, but I, do, I tell you what, I do. I need an evening drink. Yeah. Something, because I love drinking hot tea throughout the day, and I want something hot to drink at night that's not going to keep me up. Do you have any suggestions? Like an alcoholic beverage or a non-alcoholic? No, anything, anything. Like something well, just like I don't know about hot- warm in a, in a mug. Oh, an apple cider, probably a lot of sugar in that though. Ah, sugar. Yeah, I tried that. Uh, I always just like lemon and honey in a in a, in a cup and a warm water. Yeah, like... warm cup of milk that'll pull you out. That's uh, a lot of calories. So. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, you, you pack on the weight. I like yeah. if it, of all the different like drink alcoholic drinks that you can have like late night by the fire. I I'm a, I, I'm okay with sherry, but there's a bit of sugar. Mm-hmm. It's like a port. Port as well, port, mm. but port is also very sweet. Um, so mm-hmm. that's kind of that's kind of where I play. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't do it. I'm not a big warm beverage guy. Okay, like I like co- coffee, and then in the afternoon I have an espresso, and that's pretty much it for my warm beverage consumption. 
maybe a nice warm cup of like beef stock or bovril or something that could that that would put me to sleep you know what i would really like but i'm not sure if it's okay to do neo citron just like without a cold yeah (laughs) that's probably bad for you right (laughs) i mean like that stuff i think it's designed to knock you out it's very lemony it's very comforting it knocks you out i love neo citron yeah 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 i don't know you might want to read the read the warning label see what's up but I, I, yeah. I don't think I want to chance it because there's probably this. Pro- come on, it's probably not good. He, he, yeah. he, he died. He died at 62 because he drank neo citron every day. <laughs> Just to go. I think after a while you would become uh, immune. Like it wouldn't have that same effect. Oh. It sounds like something uh, that a that a dying pop star would drink right before they were pronounced dead. Yeah, he died of you know? fentanyl and neocitron. Like the, the yeah, like deadly. you heard that Taylor Swift died in their sleep. And it was like, well, she drinks neocitron every night. Yeah. Like, really? Okay. And, and not yeah. just a cup. She drinks a thermos of it. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that happening. Yeah. Oh, Fair man. Enough. You know, as far as medicines go, neocitron, awesome as a beverage. Also... The antibiotics, the pink antibiotics that came in the hollow spoon when you were a kid. The banana flavor? Like the thick. The th- yeah. yeah. Or the, that stuff was awesome. Been, there was yellow and it was like it was amoxicillin or something. And then was pink. And there was, was a pink? pink cherry one that was also quite, yeah. quite good. Loved the, the pink I, I like the banana one, but they clearly did not know what bananas tasted like. Um, but it tasted good. Like it was, it was my. Yeah. I, I, you get it when you get an ear infection. Yeah. It's antibiotics. It was, it was delicious. Yeah. So that the antibiotics, neocitrin and Flintstone vitamins, I believe, are like the best flavored yeah. of the medications out there. Which Flintstone vitamins were probably not in any way beneficial to your health. I suspect only the Barneys okay. were vitamins and everything else was just a candy. Yeah. yeah. My parents never let me have those. Because oh, like, my dad is a doctor and he's like, it's a waste of everyone's time and money. So. <laughs> Please, fair. please don't do that. Okay. Uh, I think we've reached the end of the food, have we not? Yes, we have reached the the end of the food. As far as I'm concerned, that's all I saw. Okay. and then We call that the zenith of the food. The zenith of the food. The food zenith. Uh, zenith. We are now in the eye of the storm. Um, uh, yeah, the movie finishes off. Interesting. He just kind of hops in a truck and pieces out. Which I thought just was keeps great. on going with his rambling lifestyle. Yeah, he's very yeah. much. He just goes Kerouac on everyone's ass, um, which, you know, good on him, I guess. Leaving his pregnant girlfriend to fend for herself. Have you ever fantasized about doing that? Just going on the road and just like, whatever. Just I'll I'll go here. I'll go there. I'll end up in South America. I'll come back. Have you ever thought of that? Because apparently this used to be a thing. Yeah, it was just, just, just Jack Kerouac, Allen Ginsberg. You know, yeah. Bob Dylan. Hitchhiking, this and that, going across Europe. Bob, Bob Dylan was heavily influenced by them and that lifestyle. Yep. Um, Beats. Yeah, it's a beat, the beat, a beat kind of thing. Um, I mean, I don't think I would do it correctly. Like, I feel like I would just bring a, my bank cards with me and oh, yeah. and then be like, oh, I'm in Detroit. I'm going to stay in a nice hotel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in which case, then I'm just traveling. Um, I'd like to, I always fantasized about doing it on a motorcycle. Like, I feel like that. Oh, would, like, uh, Che Guevara in that motorcycle diary. Yeah. But not in South America. 
just more in America. Um, okay. North America. Uh, although South America sounds like fun too. But um, yeah, I've always just kind of been like, oh, I'm going to go from here, Toronto to California on a motorcycle. See how that goes. Uh, kind of like if, if I were going to liken it to a movie, it would be Wild Hogs with uh, John Travolta and, and all them. Not, you didn't see it because you shouldn't have. It's funny because the only people who ride those kinds of motorcycles now are uh, plus 40-year-old professional dudes. That's exactly what this and, movie's about. Yeah, and I, I saw some the other day at the Tim Hortons. There was like four of them, all overweight, all losing their hair, but they got the leather jackets oh, yeah. on. Having the greatest time, they they were just into it. You could tell they're like this is to them. This was awesome. Yeah, they, they loved it. Um, interesting about the traveling during COVID. Uh, when I was at Anderson, one of the co- copywriters there named Gotham. Shout out to Gotham. He was traveling around to Airbnbs while he was working. So we would come in on Monday. Where are you at? Mexico City. Oh, no kidding. Where are you at now? Vancouver. Like he pulled that off. He was working remotely he's a writer yeah and he just like traveled around homeless for a year or something like that that's fun if you're interested in doing it you're a writer as well i mean so. if you have the money or i guess he's making the money so he can do it yeah. yeah yeah i know people who live like that now they've just kind of up and gone and my only thing with that is the time zones you know if i'm in vancouver yeah. working in toronto i gotta get up at like five in the morning four in the morning oh that's too bad. Right? Because of the time, yeah. time difference. So. Yeah. Anyway, let's. Uh, that was the food. Let's get into the food awards. I don't think there's any doubt that the best use of food is the hold the chicken chicken sandwich. Yes. And they didn't even th- they didn't even use food in that scene. No, it was just mentioned. Yeah. But one of the greatest use of food in movie history. Just 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 the dialogue of it. Yeah, I can't think of any other scene that I enjoyed more than that. So I guess we can just give that award out. Done. Uh, done. Uh, which character would you most like to have dinner with? Not a, not a great, not a stellar bunch of characters. They're all here, by the way. they're all kind of flawed in and of themselves. Um, yeah. Maybe the neck brace guy. Is that his brother? Neck brace guy. The guy that oh yeah the fiddle yeah, yeah, player yeah. that threw out his neck. He seemed kind of like yeah. A, he seemed like a good dude, good fella. Okay. Yeah. He, okay. That's he good. seemed to be able to, you know, he's smart, intellectual guy. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't really seem to have any issues with him. He seemed like the most nor- okay. normal dude of the whole bunch. How about Fair. How about you? You know, I got to go with uh, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. On this one, he just seemed like a really complicated dude with a lot of you know issues going on. I'd like to I'd like to sit this guy down and see if I can analyze, psychoanalyze him a little bit. Yeah. Figure out what makes him tick. Yeah, I do a little podcast on Jack Nicholson and his character. Fair enough. As a food movie, how do you rate this one? As a, that's a, it's a very difficult rating. Yeah, very because there's not a whole lot of food in it's it. Weird, but it does have the greatest food scene, which doesn't actually have food though. Yeah, this is a tough one. This is a tough one all around. Um, I forget what our ratings were out of. Was that a five? Five and no halves. Fives and no halves. Okay. I got to give it a respectable two. Okay. Two what? Oh, uh, I got to give it a, uh, I got to give it two apples. Uh, I will give it three deconstructed chicken sandwiches only Mm. because it used food and alcohol in a way to show disparity of class. 
It did. I think it, it had an underlying tone, very subtle, probably very much overthought on my part of, you know, brown bag lunches versus whatever the heck it was they were eating at the thing and ketchup on the roast beef and the beer versus the, the port and sherry. I feel like they used food in a way to kind of have an undertone of uh, class discrepancy. So I'll give it a three, although the food was definitely not the central focus. I like it, man. I, I like how deep you went with that one. I know um, I go deep. I believe that was it. So closing thoughts. Rating it as a movie? Oh, rating it as a movie. Yeah. I'm way off, man. My First day back. Off. Yeah. <laughs> Got to shake the rust off. What do you think as a movie? Uh, as a movie, again, very tough. Very tough because it's a certain kind of movie that doesn't exist anymore. So it should be in a museum or something. Mm. I must say, though, I have to keep it real. I didn't really enjoy it. Interesting. Yeah. So I got to go to Budweiser's out of five Budweiser's. Okay. I did enjoy it. I thought it was, okay. I thought it was interesting. I thought it, uh, it, it, I don't, I wouldn't say it spoke to me, but it, it was a, it, there was a story, there was substance there for me, uh, except for that weird sex scene. I agree with you there. I give it four disgruntled Nepo babies searching for their themselves. Okay. All right. I respect that. Final thoughts? Final thoughts. Final thoughts. You didn't enjoy it. I, I didn't enjoy it, but I would say take a look at Rafelson's other movie, The King of Marvin Gardens. I think that's a little bit more palatable for a millennial audience, if you're a millennial okay. or Gen Z. And I, on the adversely, I did enjoy it. I thought it was uh, it was a succinct, interesting story that I did not know where it was going to go, which is rare in this day and age for me. And I think it was unique because I haven't seen a lot like it. Like I know we talked about Taxi Driver and some of the other movies, but this was this was a, a a man. I thought it was a man, a lost man out of out of time, out of not out of time, but out of his element, fish out of water, going back into his waters and still feeling like a fish out of water. So it was just somebody that could, really struggling to find where they belonged. And in the end, decided he belongs nowhere, which I thought was kind of interesting, um, poetic. Uh, and, and I think Jack gave a great performance. I thought it was a fascinating movie. Um, will I watch it again? Not for another couple of years, but sure, it worked for me. Did your wife watch it? No. Okay. Does she watch any of these movies? Sometimes, yeah. Okay. Sometimes, yeah. She watched Annie Hall with me and a few of the other ones, but she didn't watch this. Oh. She probably... Did she like Annie Hall? Yes, yeah, she did. Right. She probably would have liked this one too, or at least sat through it and said she liked it. Which is okay. pretty much all you can ask of anyone. Hey, listen, the next time she watches one, ask her what she thinks and make a little note, and then yeah, yeah. we can do a little segment. Yeah, yeah. What, what does Cher's wife think? Yeah. yeah all right. Yeah. So. Okay. That was the Food and Movies podcast on Five Easy Pieces, a.k.a. Five Easy Things. I'm your host, Paul. That's Jeremy. We do this all the time. We don't know why. We just like doing it. We like food. We like movies. We like making podcasts. So until next time, good watching, good eating. I'll feed the same. Good job, Chair. Yeah, man, that worked out.